0: I'm Writing a Novel is the show where you join me, Oliver Brackenbury, on the journey of writing my next novel, from first ideas all the way to publication and promotion. In this one-man reality show, I'll share with you my ever-evolving thoughts and feelings on how I write, being a writer, and everything that entails at each stage of the process. I'll also interview special guests, and when people send them in, I'll answer listener questions. If you're the kind of person who likes to learn how things are made and get to know the people making them, then this is the show for you. I'd like to say a quick thank you to our Patreon supporters who make this show possible. Patrons receive perks like getting to listen to the show a week early. And if you're not one already, you can check out all the other perks and exclusive content over at patreon.com slash novel. Today I'm interviewing Kirk A. Johnson, author of The Obanax and Other Tales of Heroes and Horror. It's a collection of four Sword and Soul short stories. The Obanax, The Oculus of Key, Cock and Bull, and For Wine and Roast. I greatly enjoyed reading these stories, and so I was delighted when Kirk said yes to my request for an interview. He can really turn a phrase, and before you get to experience that real-time hearing him speak, I'm just going to share with you the first paragraph of the introduction to the book. It goes as follows This is a product of the giants for whom I look up to in awe, like Zeus birthing Athena from his cracked skull. These authors have given me the inspiration to create what I now present before you my first book. And I'm proud to say, under my own Far Afield Press logo, with me sweating great streams of salty water. I hope you, the reader, will love what I present for your eyes that grabbed my attention didn't it grab yours? now to meet the man who wrote those words and who then went on to much later have a great conversation with me about all kinds of things discussing how afternoon movies with his dad shaped his view of a hero his approach to gore and violence in fiction which exploitation film is the most Shakespearean and a whole lot more Talking because yeah, <laughs> yeah. <you> <laughs> all right. And here we have Kirk. Hi,
1: Kirk. Hey, 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 what's up, man? Good, <laughs> Good morning to, you, to you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, listen, this has definitely been one of those interviews where we just, I was like, we'll warm up for five minutes, and like 35 minutes later, I was like, I should be hitting for court. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope you'll enjoy the energy we're bringing to this. Okay, uh, without further ado. Kirk, let's get into the shallow end of the pool first. Okay. Why sword and sorcery? What draws you to it as a reader and as a writer?
1: All right. In the in the year of our Lord, uh nineteen eighty five. I'm lying, I don't know what year it was. Me and my dad used to sit and watch uh the old sword and sandal movies from back in the day. And, you know, he he'd even like me cooking lunch for the family and stuff, or he'd be doing, you know, other, other you know, parent duty stuff, but he'd still find time to, to to sit with me and watch these and tell me all about how, you know, he would watch Hercules and Hercules Unchained. And, you know, there's always that element of the hero doing things to protect his family or doing things to protect the one he loved, the woman he loves. You know, the, the very, of the time, very uh, masculine pursuits, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But the wonder of these heroes doing these things and the monsters they had to deal with, like Jason and Argonauts, were, was the epitome of that shit for me. It put something in me. You know what I mean? I was I was totally drawn into that, and the Conan barbarian Marvel comic runs and the Savage Sword of Conan. Uh, so mm-hmm. I really kind of started really with the comics and the television. The movies that come on TV at the time, and this is in the, the 80s, the uh, mid to uh, late 80s, and it spoke to me about this idea of honor and sacrifice, and doing things that you don't want to do, but you know you have that strength and the will to do it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the idea of the right reasons, not you know the knowing what morality is, knowing what is bad and what is good, understanding it's not about you, it's about the people you love. Mm-hmm. You people you live with. Right. I remember in Hercules Unchained, he wanted to save his, his city of Thebes. And I'm like, oh, shit. I mean, excuse me, but, you know, <laughs> you, right. you ain't known him. You, you you just you just literally stepped in talking about your city of Thebes and, you know, and how important it was to you. And it clicked on me that it was about the people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the woman he was with that she got kidnapped or or old friends, I mean, the two kings were fighting each other and he knew them, but it still came down to the people and saving the people, you know, making that sacrifice. Yeah. And I guess in, in terms of literature, it really moved me to, uh, I, I saw a copy of uh, Frank Frazetta cover of Conan the Conqueror. Of course. <laughs> and, I, and, and I devoured yep. it and I needed more. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just that other element that the other element I want to say also, and I want to be honest about, Mm. you know, growing up black in the Bronx and being told to be careful, don't do this. No, pretty much. I always felt like I had, for lack of a term, a shackle. Like I always had to be proper. I I had to be respectful, be proper, even the people who were not to me.
2: Mm.
1: So I'd get bullied or I'd get, I'd get, punched or I'd get yelled at and st- or, you know, and I, I had this anger about that, that like, come on, can I just say something, you know, you're doing wrong, but I can't, I got to, you know, hold, because if you don't do this, then you get hemmed up by the police or you get hemmed up by the authorities or whoever is, is the, the person in charge. And Conan mm. didn't do that. Hercules didn't do that.
2: Yeah.
1: If somebody was in the wrong and they try to put it on you or they made you feel small about it, you know, you let them know. And I think as a teenage boy, that resonated. And I want to compare that to the Kung Fu movies that used to come on back in the day. Why martial arts was such a big thing in the Black community was that idea of this person mm-hmm. not just staying quiet and not doing anything when they're being posed with injustice or being bullied into that nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's literally, there was a point in the 80s when um, Channel 5 had this thing called uh, drive-in movies and it came on at three o'clock and everybody in the neighborhood would Run home and check that out. You was out there playing whatever game you was playing. You'd stop three o'clock. We go check it out <laughs> and you have to understand that was a thing. So I want to say that that's, you know, one of the things about it that drew me to sword and sorcery.
0: I like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, of course, in any broad canon, you'll find exceptions mm-hmm. to broad statements. But generally speaking, you know, one thing I love about sort of sorcery protagonists is uh, they don't really punch down. You know, they're rarely like exactly. fighting for the king. They're usually fighting mm-hmm. against the king or to protect the people from the side effects of what. the exactly. king's up to. You. Yes. <laughs> you know, or they're robbing. Right. The right. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're exactly. the
1: outsider who the, 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 the Robin. I don't want to say Robin Hood. But they're like the Robin Hood.
0: Well, actually, I just mm-hmm. saw someone today uh, arguing Robin Hood could be sword and sorcerer. I Even mean, there's no sorcerer right. stories, but you
1: know, it, it, you, know, you, you just right. tweak him a mean, little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd say sword and of like I, I want to say Robin Hood, but you know, the Robin Hoods that we always saw are still like he's still a lord <laughs> who who ran off on his own. Oh,
0: that's true. God, I forgot he, that part. He was, still, he was
1: still part of the part of the establishment <laughs> that ran off to do something, as opposed to like. Faffin and the Grey Mouser, Yeah, right? And, yep. and and I gravitated towards them and Conan characters because they weren't born in privilege,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? But they wanted to live free and live in a comfort of being who they are. You know, they dreamt of the money and they dreamt of the women and they dreamt of all these things, but, you know, they would have found themselves very at home in the wire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, I was saying. Yeah. Well, as, no, it's as, just- as, as, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's, funny, it's funny you say yeah. that kind of a, you know poor James Can uh, just recently perished and it got me talking about my favorite movie of his Thief which you could see right. as being kind of adjacent to some of the stuff going on in the wire but I just was thinking mm-hmm. that, I was like man you know I don't know if it would quite work because Thief is a very like anti-capitalist movie and there's no Capitalism, as we understand it anyways, it's expressed in that film and a lot of the old sword and sorcery stories, but God, I would watch the hell out of a sword and sorcery story that was basically thief, you know, and I wonder, like, like if you really kind of bring those crime noir, hard kind of characters back, you know, which makes sense, because I mean, they all come out of the same tradition from the 30s, you know?
1: Exactly, exactly. The cowboy, the noir films, that whole idea of the, you know, little guy just sticking it to the man.
0: Yeah, which makes sense. We could go back to the yeah. Depression, where people were, I mean, for some reason, not fond of bankers or you know, <laughs> right, presidents and, right, and, and right. CEOs and so on. Oh, the, you the the cattle lords <laughs> <and>, uh... <laughs> It's like there's some kind of world event that I don't know. Anyway, it's, there's, right. there's definitely no parallels to today uh, or anything that's been happening since. Oh, I don't know, two thousand eight, but. Uh, right. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. You know, we we a lot of people in sword sorcery communities have these conversations. We were talking about this before we hit record about you know, oh, you know, are we ready for like a third wave? You know, we had that second wave in the '60s, '70s, you know, kind of early '80s. Is it is it time for a third wave? And I'm like, man, there's a lot of parallels between now and the '30s. I mean, I would definitely trade sword sorcery to have like a better world. (laughs) but I guess <laughs> <my> <laughs> oh, cool. I, when, like this new Gilded Age depression yeah. era or whatever, I guess we'll get some third wave of sword and sorcery at least.
1: To- <laughs> I, yeah. you looking forward to like, you know, I think they're out there. It's just, you know, it's uh, not being afraid to deal with that part of the uh, nature of, of where we live. Right. Cause, yeah. cause, cause I've heard, I've heard cats talk about, you know, they want to they just want to write a story. They don't want to be political. Oh, and Jesus. I, I'm always under the impression that, you know, you as a person live within the time. And even as a writer, you're going, you know, it's nothing wrong with allowing that part of you to be on, get on the page. Yeah. I mean, when I wrote the stories, I had the idea, I'm going to, it's an entertainment, I'm going to do fan entertainment, but I'm not going to not allow my idea of the world or my idea of heroism which is also part of the politics of the world we live in.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, not show in my stories. One of the characters is literally a hustler.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it. <laughs> <that
1: one>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's you know he, he's he's a smuggler. He's he deals with bad people. Right? He's not particularly a bad person, but that's the situation of the life that he's in, mm-hmm. and the redemption or what he's looking for goes in there. You know, for a lot of the characters, don't be afraid to. I guess, allow your sense of the world to be a part of your storytelling.
0: Well, I, I would say especially because no matter what you do, it's going to come through somehow, mm-hmm. right? Everything is a choice. Everything you put on the page, everything you don't put on the page, is a choice. What are the choices informed by? Who you are? What are you? Mm-hmm. A collection of uh, thoughts, beliefs, opinions. What is politics? <laughs> a collection right. of thoughts, beliefs, opinions. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So you might as well be conscious about it and try and produce something more meaningful and coherent yeah. than to just kind of be like, "Oh, yeah, there's there's no uh, choices here. Uh, it's just a guy stabbing a giant snake." And it's like, "Yeah, why is it a guy stabbing <laughs> a giant snake?
1: That snake, like, right, right? You know, who's the What's giant?" A, snake?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, without even getting to like, you know, amusing myself with like Freudian stuff about the giant snake, it's just this kind of thing of like, you know, you're choosing to show a guy stabbing the giant snake. You're choosing mm-hmm. not to show, say, more, you know, other parts of the world. Like, you can't have the camera, so to speak, showing everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, to my feeling, is it's when people say, you know, oh, I don't want politics in my stories, they usually mean two one of two things. Either they mean I don't want anything that challenges me, which I have no time for, right. or they mean, and this I have a little more patience for, I don't want like a character turning to the camera and being like, like, these are my thoughts on, I don't know, socialism or bike lanes, doesn't matter. Right. Uh, th- that's just kind of like sloppy writing. It's like, okay, well, yeah, making the subtext like really egregious text. Like, you can make subtext text, but, you know, when it's like really bad. But then that's just bad right. writing. That's the problem, you know? Or you want to break from, you know, being made to think about uh, Brexit or whatever. Yeah, okay, cool. I, don't read a story where, like, you know, Trump is a, mentioned every other page or something. Right. That I get. I get being exhausted with like current affairs. Yeah. I don't get the you know no politics in my stories thing. It doesn't work. You know.
1: It does no. Yeah. That yeah. I mean, like you're saying, there's, there's you know, be be brave about it. I mean, and and be creative about it. You can literally have like a king who decided to build a wall, <laughs> uh, on, on, <laughs> on on yeah on his western borders, and that's why everybody's being overtaxed, and that's why you have. These mercenary characters in your in your town as police squad.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then boil all down to the the hero of the story who you know right. is getting oppressed by those guards, right? Who who are all just you know motivated by pay instead of uh, morality because the way right. the world works. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Right. And decides nice to rob, rob 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 them of of their stuff because that's how they're getting paid through your taxes.
0: Exactly. So, um if I understand correctly, and please correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think your first short story sale was your story in Milton Davis's. I'm going to mispronounce this. I've only read it. Griot. Yes, yeah, Griot. Griot
1: Anthology. Uh, was that this where like Brackenberry? You- <laughs> this is Brackenberry. Nice. Nah, like, you dropped the T on that. I like that. It's it's, that, it's good for you. Good for you. While I'm doing
0: what I can. Um, but, but yeah, was that where your creative writing started, or is it a longer journey?
1: It was a longer journey. I'll say that. I want to say maybe in 2005, um, after a uh, 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 after a really big pause, like uh, you know, uh, after like high, I want to say elementary school, got into high school, became a teenager. You know, discovered the wonders of women and <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, and teenage stuff, teenage boy stuff. It was in college, and I remember. I uh, discovered uh, Dale Ripke. I want to say, make sure I get that right. Heroes of Dark Fantasy. Mm. And it was a DodgeNet site, I remember, if I remember correctly. And he had like a chronology of of Conan and Kane and Amaro. And I never even heard of Amaro, I had no idea this even existed. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, whoa, what is this? You know, went searching for the books online. Uh, I I found the books. I read the first one and and kept reading, read the trilogy and everything. And it kind of like, you know, I'm one of those cats that's kind of like, I'm not aware of the accessibility of a thing until I see someone else who looks like me doing it. Yeah. Be honest about it. So I didn't even realize that that I could actually be a writer of this genre that I I was into when I was a child and, and rediscovered now as an adult. So I started Playing with it and writing it and, and exploring the idea of of creating my own world and creating these adventure action adventure tales with swords and 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 demons and 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 cults and the whole shebang. And it helped that I was already like a history head and I was already mm-hmm. like a sword nut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, the ingredients were there, swords, they just had to be like activated. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. The, the elixir of of, <laughs> of of creativity, the catalyst for the creativity. So so Griot and discovering all that, I was online and doing the writing and I shared what I was writing with other people. I actually got a rejection. I can't remember the first story. I think the first story was in the wake of Mist that I submitted to a, an online magazine and they rejected it. And they gave me some good pointers and hints in terms of just writing. Yeah. Right. Because I was working it as like I was doing like a website. So I had different fonts (laughs) (laughs) in my manuscript. Oh, awesome. (laughs) You know, I didn't know the proper, you know, format and everything. And they gave me some, I can't remember, I wish I remember who they were, but uh, they gave me some really great pointers on what to do and not to do.
0: Well, it's funny how that goes. I mean, I I guess once you've been through it a few times, it sounds obvious, but you meet a lot of people who want to write or they've only done like one or two stories Mm -hmm. and they it's like rejection sucks, no doubt, but it can be formative, really formative, especially if you get like a proper editor's notes, you know, I still have a bunch saved uh, that just I'm like, oh, this is a good reference, you know, or a good track record of how I've evolved.
1: Bruh, I so appreciate when submission sites do that. Yeah. When they give you a heads up of, hey, this is what's wrong with it, or this is why we didn't accept it, you know. As opposed to it's not right for us, or good luck next time, you know,
0: I- yeah, please keep submitting. It's like, well, yeah, it costs you nothing for me to keep submitting
2: <laughs> right,
1: <laughs>
0: right. It's like it's not the right. big, the big you know um gesture right. you think it is
1: <laughs> right like okay. the the price is literally my confidence to do this <laughs> <It's getting laughs> slowly eroded, <laughs> but i'll I'll try, but yeah, Grills was the first accepted, I should say submission of a work I put out, so.
0: Yeah, and and so that uh, anthology came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. Going by what I've read, you know, in the Acts, uh, you've certainly been working on your craft since then. Yes. How would you say? No false modesty allowed. I got an air horn. I'll press it. Okay. <laughs> uh, how would you say? <laughs> I don't have an air horn. Don't worry. How would you say <laughs> your writing
2: mm-hmm.
0: has improved? You know, in that decade or so, what are you proudest of? And like,
1: what's been a real challenge? Oh, um, I always call it the craft. Mm. I want to say it's having the balance of everything involved, the being able to tell enough without it being an info dump and having it mold seamlessly into the story, the pacing, you know, which I want to say that, you know, I'm still working on. But I want to say the fight scenes, I'm most proud of the fight scenes and the embellishment of the horror aspect of it.
0: Well, you know, that's a perfect answer, if only because it uh, segues right into my next question. So it's a perfect answer for how it okay. gratifies me as an interviewer. That's what's important to me. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh no, no, but no, but it's hey, it's all about I, you. <laughs> uh, hey, well, no, I, I'm but no, but it does, you. <laughs> it does, though. It does work. Cause check this out. You know, uh, what well, I was going to mm-hmm. ask you next in the second story, mm-hmm. uh, the Oculus of Key, Yes, there was a glorious part where I'm not going to too spoiler here, but just broadly speaking, mm. there was a glorious part where a monster picks up its human followers still living at the time to use them as clubs. And to be clear, I loved this. However, I thought it was noteworthy as an example of a kind of uh, almost gonzo, like fun B-movie level of gore and violence that you don't encounter in every Sword and Sorcery story, not even every one of your stories, but that that really stood out to be there. So yeah, what is your attitude towards like violence and its role in your stories and how to convey it?
1: Oh wow, oh wow. You know, we write Sword and Sorcery, in my head at least, for me and in my interpretation. Sword and Sorcery takes place in a far away time where the violence is present, right? Especially for the characters, where the characters are coming from, you know, violence is present and the monstrosities that they encounter don't have hangups about violence, right? And to add to the horror and the disturbing nature of what these monstrosities are, I do believe the violence should be very grotesque and, you know, ooh. Yeah. You know I, I, you, know, you know, I don't want to be afraid of that. It's, it's kind of like, this is the dilemma you're dealing with. This is the thing you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- I think it it adds to the the conflict and the intensity of the situation our protagonists and heroes have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I grew up watching these really horrifying horror movies.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, when you were talking about the three PM, you know, uh, yeah, the, yeah, I, that made me the movies earlier. I was like thinking, oh, maybe this yeah. is where some of the you know, yeah, yeah it,
1: like the, the, the kung, DNA the, fed in. <laughs> the old kung fu movies, and I want to say the Argento horror flicks. Yep. And the the cannibal stuff. And, you know, <laughs> so, I, you know. And the funny thing is, this is the funny thing. I am not particularly into gore like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not into gore. But I have to admit that I do have a weird kind of, hmm, like an interesting fascination with it and how it's used and how far you want to go with it. Yeah. Like the limitations of it. And I do believe there are limitations to it. They must definitely have to be limitations to it. Because if not, you'll write some really horrifying stuff that you yourself would be like. This, this is not me. This is not who I want these characters to be. This is not what I want my story to be. So you know, I, I keep that in mind when I'm writing my stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can either get you know darker or, or, <clears throat> or say something you don't want to say, or alternately, it can just become bland, right? Because it's just wall to wall blood, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, yeah. It, you it, you if don't want to
1: overdo it. You want to just you, it. The balance there has to be yeah, a balance. Yeah.
0: Well, no pressure, you know, I'll never check up on you on this, but I remember you very kindly (laughs) uh, told me before uh, we, we scheduled this even. Uh, that you picked up my first book, Junkyard Leopard, and you, just, you kind of made me think of it because that absolutely was like, I'm going to have some gore in this thing. It's going to have some violence in this thing. This right. is a book where violence is key. And, it's, and But but I was trying to think about it really hard, like kind of everything you just said, I really agree with, you know, in terms of it, it's a technique, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and you got to think about how it's applied. Mm-hmm. And I felt like your use of it was thoughtful. And sometimes it was like, yeah, you want this big, crazy madness for a second because it's a mad scene, you know, what's going on when that yeah. monster uh, is happening. But you don't have that kind of thing on every page or every fight scene, you know? right? Yeah,
1: you
0: yeah. <laughs> got the right. feeling it was kind right. of like, okay, well, this is a big wild scene. Let's have something big and wild happen. Uh,
1: right. Yeah, yeah, right. You want to stay mondo? You want uh, to? you know, um, <laughs> what do you call it? At, back in the city, in New York City, there was there was, there was this place in the 90s called Kim's Video, mm-hmm. and they had a section called Mondo Video.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm familiar not with Kims, but I've encountered Mondo in other places. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you know, you, you know, grew up with that, that that kind of like off the wall, crazy madness that goes on. I want to say that helped a little bit with me understanding my limitations.
2: Mm.
1: Right? How far do I want to go? Yeah, and being always aware of that.
0: Yeah, it's funny how that goes. Eh? I, uh, I I've happily done terrible things to humans in my stories, but I remember reading <laughs> a horror tale that I will not. Mm. Uh, be mean and name, but I was reading a horror tale where it was like there was a serial killer character, yeah. and the author was like, "I'm going to show you how nasty the serial killer was." Killer, pardon me, was right. as a kid, and then it was like a really detailed scene about him murdering a cat, and I was like, "Fuck this!" And I just, <laughs> sorry, well, whatever, sorry to me. I tried not to start yeah, yeah. podcast, but you know what? That's how strongly <laughs> I felt. You know, I was like, "Fuck yeah. this!" And I just like threw the book over across the room. I was like, "I don't need to read that."
1: <laughs> right, right, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Bro. You could, Bro, you could tell I me what happened, list. and I'd
0: be like, "Oh, okay, yeah. that's where it started." But you don't need to give me like the anatomical detail of murdering don't, a cat. Like my yeah.
1: god, I, I got I got a list of books that I will not touch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like literally, like list of books and movies. Like there's two movies. Yeah. Like off the top is, is I will not watch Salo, 120 Days of Song. I will not. Yeah. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and you know the Serbian film. I will not. Yeah, <laughs> I will not, and I will not read "Hog" by Samuel Delaney. I will not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard. I haven't read it. I will. Nope, nope. I read it. Too. I I read the sum- summary of it. So like oh. like what goes on, and I'm like, yeah, the, the that's the my limit. Yeah,
0: know, know your limits and know your interests. You know, yeah. like I, 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 unlike that book with the cat, I, I have no problem with the Saw movies, mm-hmm. but I don't want to watch them, even though I'm very happy to do things that probably, from what I understand, are on par with things that happen in those movies. Right. Uh, in my work, because I'm there, it's like it's a tool I'm using to try and say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny how that can go. You can kind of like get into using something more than you are into consuming something. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, an interesting, I don't know, just, yeah, so I thought about right there. Anyway, I'm so smart. Uh, next question. Uh, this is going to sound strange. Mm hmm. But as I worked my way through the first story, I was delighted to see a character fart. Uh, I'm putting on record, you know, I'm not a coprophiliac. And uh, no, it does not sound more suspicious the more I say I'm not. Thank you. What it is, what it is, is I see sword and sorcery very much Mm. as a genre where the body is key. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, generally, you know, this manifests in story elements related to sex or violence. But when that's all there is, I feel you're not getting the complete picture. So I like that at certain points, you know, listener, I don't want to give you the impression this is the big book of sword and sorcery farts. Kurt's written here. It's not. (laughs) But... uh, So that's a
1: But uh right. at certain points from the ass. <laughs> from the <laughs> ass. <laughs>
0: oh God. Um but at certain points characters, mm-hmm. Fart Belch wet themselves in fear yeah. in one memorably frightening part. Mm-hmm. They're grounded, yeah. is this how I see it. They're grounded by the less sexy or viscerally violent sides of having a body. Yeah. And so I'm asking you, Kirk, you know, was this a conscious choice or was it more subconscious like, ah, oh, this is just how people are, how else would I write it, you know, kind of thing?
1: Uh, I want to say uh, subconscious, really. It's, it's you know, I wrote it kind of like, you know, I've worked blue collar gigs, me and the guys, I work with electricians in film and theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're hanging out with a bunch of guys, we, we got our tool belts on, and usually On Off Chance, we we're just sitting there farting and telling bad jokes and just being regular, just being really open and loose with each other. And that's how I thought of the way people just become very comfortable with each other. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Working with these people for so long, you know, the characters in the book, they've been with each other for so long that, you know, somebody letting out a fart or talking about whatever is just a common thing. I didn't want to limit that. I wanted to at least make these people. I didn't want to make them caricatures.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's a common thing that people, whether well, or not they word it quite this way, but that they like about sword and sorcery is that it is a more grounded, mm-hmm. you know, kind of genre. Yeah. uh and and what's more
1: grounding? <laughs> I'm just you saying, know. man. You, yeah, you people people, you people are traveling. People you traveling with a bunch of hobbits for, for how long, and you're going to They're tell me nobody a had. Lot of food. <laughs> right! Like, nobody just lets a little one out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I just don't uh, Like, we Mary, Mary and Pippin should be farting the entire time. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, and hey, have you seen The Northmen? Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: that scene with the boy. Yeah, so you know, uh, and, and it's not like it's the whole movie. It's not like it's every scene. No, it's just this one no. little part. That, and it's and again, it serves a purpose. Yeah. You know, and all these are ground things, but and have a little bit of you know, like comedy, sure. But like, mm-hmm. I don't spoil it. But just you know, it, listener, trust me, if you haven't seen it. In the scene, it's more than just like oh, I got fired. Some people laugh. Like it's it's kind of actually a fun, an interesting right, twist on what's going on right. in the scene. So you know, it's just like another tool in the toolbox. It doesn't need to be mm-hmm. like all the other tools. It does not need to be applied constantly. Um, right. But but I right. I found it kind of gratifying. I was like oh, this is nice, you know, because like mm-hmm. I said, it's a, to me it's really a genre of the body, and I was like this is part of the body. It, it Can't is. just be you know big muscles and stuff or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> so,
1: like, like yeah, I mean you like like you said not to spoil, but you know there, there's a point where. If cats haven't been taking a bath or a shower for a long time, they're going to smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah I, like, I like that guy.
1: <laughs> like, like, like one, re- one reviewer actually mentioned he enjoyed the fact that I put swamp ass in a sort of sort. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was like a thing. That was, that was conscious. I ain't gonna front. That was like, nah, this yeah. dude's gonna be not, he ain't gonna be smelling pretty. And mm-hmm. you notice when somebody's it's smelling a little, little off. <laughs> you
0: <can't laughs> well, there help you notice. go, and, and again with uh, handing me the great transitions. Thank you. Oh, because <laughs> uh, you know, n- nice question. Uh, there were yes. some turns of phrase in this book that I really. En- I mean, I enjoyed the book, but I'm just saying that there were some mm. phrases in particular that stand out. That, you know, uh, okay. that I really enjoyed. For example, on page 99, you know, there's a line that reads, "His voice was both heavy and sweet, as of someone ready to sell you a secret." You know, that's, I like that. Right. What is your attitude? toward when it's time to deploy more eloquent, even purple prose, and when do you prefer to be more concise, more straightforward, or more colloquial, like Swampass? you know? Uh, and oh, how right, you relate right. your story to the reader. You know, How do you modulate your tone, I guess, oh. kind of
1: thing, like how do, you, how do you choose? The context of the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the scene trying to tell you? What does the scene call for? What am I trying to say with the scene, right? Am I talking about the camaraderie between characters? Is it time for the information? Is it time for the action? I think about those and how I'm still working, to be honest, as a newbie. I'll say, No, I am a newbie still. I'm still learning. So I'm still trying to consciously understand when I'm doing things. And then sometimes I, I kind of just write because it sounded like this is right for this moment. Because usually when I'm writing, I'm just, all right, yeah, this is something you'd say in this moment. This is something that would go on in this moment. This is what this character would say, not say. Like the tone just, of the scene would, come in, you know? The tone like of having the scene, more of a fun yeah. scene.
0: So we're going to say Swamp ass, but we're having more serious, like intimate scenes. So we're going to have the, exactly. like a line I wrote, uh, according yeah. to Perman. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, you know, I at least allow myself to not think and just do what I know to do. And sometimes it just it happens that way.
0: One thing I really liked in reading this was that uh, it was very much, I could tell, like, this is the author's voice. Because, mm-hmm. which sounds obvious, right? But like, I think you know, you, you seem like a big enough fan for sure that you would have read some stuff where like the author is very plainly trying to do their best impersonation of Howard, or they're trying to do their best impersonation of like Clark Ashton Smith. It's like super ornate, um, and we all gotta start somewhere. And sometimes elements of people we love do sort of organically kind of like get threaded into our voice. Yes, you know, for me, a big one was when I was younger, uh, I would read a bunch of Hunter S. Thompson, and then guess what my writing sounded mm-hmm. like for the next like week. Yes, you know, and so. A fun voice, it's a fun voice, but it's his voice, not mine, right? Exactly. Uh, but that's how that's where you start. So I'm wondering, were there any, you know, it, it, yeah, the wrong answer is obviously if it's Howard, it's Howard, you know. But were there any voices like with Saunders, you know, was his voice, you know, something that you kind of felt like you were riffing on when you were earlier in your writing and trying to find your voice?
1: Absolutely, any- absolutely, man. I ain't gonna front. Uh, in the wake of Mist, that is in the Griots. that was yeah, that was me riffing on Saunders and Robert E. Howard. I can't go front. Their words were in my head. And that's when, when I was writing that, that's, that's kind of what came out. As the years have gone by, I have been able to develop my own voice. And I want to say develop it in a way that aside from reading other genres
2: mm-hmm.
1: and finding other authors that I enjoy reading, I made a conscious decision not to shy away from my environment where I grew up. So there would be certain words in there that seem out like, out of like, huh? would they say that in that time? And like, yeah, because it's my time. It's my world. And they'd say that. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. But I wanted to at least embrace that part of the world I grew up in. Like I knew cats. <laughs> if you look at them now, they would just seem like some thugs on the corner. Yeah. But, you know, I knew them as my friends.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. I actually like two of the characters in uh, Cock and Bull. The main characters were based off of two dudes I used to hang out with back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> who were really like, angle, you know, they were like real gully and they look really gully thug like. But when you hang out with them, they weren't those cats at all. <laughs> they were actually like, they were nerd dudes just like me. They just <laughs> look like they can really, you know, go into a brawl and get ready for it. But they were just really cool, uh, you know, funny dudes that I used to hang out with. And, and, and like, you know, not being afraid to use, use, um, slang or turn turn slang a little bit for your own benefit and create a new slang term you know what i mean i like i i i embraced it and I, I i want i want to do that more
0: oh well, i liked and it I, man I I mean, like i say it's a big part of right. how i could tell like other than the author talking yeah. you know this is really them yeah um yeah but you got to start somewhere yeah. right and then uh, how cool right. was it that you were riffing off back in griot uh off of um saunders in part and then you were in an anthology with saunders
1: yeah, uh, man, that was so. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I it, it, it hurts that he passed away so soon.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and I've been wanting to try to find a way to talk, talk to him to to just, you know, just to talk to him actually, not even to get anything from him, just to yeah. have a conversation, because, you know, there's so few Southern sorcery writers, period, and Black Southern sorcery authors are even further apart um so i i kind of like that early time i you know luckily milton davis had an opportunity to talk to him and really have a good working relationship with him and everything that was great but yeah um that was that was a you know that was that was a big milestone i'll say that that was a big moment it was like oh cool i'm here with him and You know, now I got to be honest, you know, now I'm on to a different thing where I'm like, I want to be in this book with this person. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Like recently, I'll be honest, recently Laird Barron, who writes Cosmic Horror, and he's doing noir now, but his stuff is phenomenal for me. That's he's like hands down the go to author. And to have him tweet my book was like a moment for me. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was a moment for me.
0: Oh I yeah, mean, that was nice, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and actually come back to Saunders again, uh, as Saunders yeah. had the, uh, if I remember correctly, the Maasai in mind mm-hmm. when designing the other of his Amaro stories, yeah. did you have any specific cultures in mind when populating
1: the world of your stories in this book? Uh, and if so, what drew you to them? Uh, Oh, you ready? You ready for this? This is, this is gonna be a big one. This is long. Huh. All right. <laughs> um, so, uh, when I started, I took his, the template uh, of Saunders and Robert E. Howard in creating the world. And first idea I had to work off of is Africa is a continent, not a country. Yep. <laughs> I always like reiterating that. <laughs> so of all the language groups and cultures and nations that are on this continent, I perfectly said, you know what? I'm taking West Africa and the Sahel region, and I'm going to put them on a planet, and I'm going to put them on a continent on their own. And I'm going to use some of the language, some of the, the proper nouns and nouns of those different languages
2: mm-hmm.
1: and mix them into the stories. And I made two continents. So there's that one. And then there's another one, Kabar, which is also, I want to say, Middle Eastern and Central Asian and Korean and using those language groups to filter and, and be a part of that world as well. And that that's, that's, that's what I thought of. So I have the Mandan or the Mandinka. I mixed and matched and played with it. Because I I realize, you know, it's an imaginary world. You can do as you like. Yep. And you can play with the ideas of culture admixture, of societies sharing and borrowing words together, culture exchange through trade and mercantile uh, endeavors. Play with that whole thing and, and see what I can come up with.
0: So I knew knew some of this, but I want to ask because you've kind of covered some backstory for the book in the book, but I wanted listeners to hear and then get excited to go buy the book, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) listeners, buy this book. Uh, And I'll just say also listeners, uh, for those of you who dig this kind of thing and are really into the language side, there is a glossary in the back of the book of uh, some of the words that are used throughout. But the fun thing is um reading the book uh i thought kirk did a great job uh providing the context so there i never felt the need to go to the glossary be like what the hell is this it was just like oh, okay i can figure out roughly what this is from the context right. and then when mm-hmm. i got to the back it was like oh cool okay i can read this and kind of confirm and just read you know yeah it was right. it was I, I thought good use of uh, you know putting in language uh that readers most readers probably are not familiar with i thought it was definitely handled because yeah. I, I do not like a book that has uh, an appendix i have to consult chapter by chapter to understand
1: Right. I'm always on the impression that when you add a new word to the lexicon of the story, and even though you might not be familiar with the word, or it might be a made up word altogether, the context of how it's used should give you an idea of what it is.
0: Yeah. So just like a list of words. You're like, okay. (laughs)
1: yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 It has to make sense in the story, right? It has to be part of the context of the story. You're not going to just toss it in there.
0: Have you ever read a lot of Jack Vance?
1: I haven't. The one Jack Vance I read, I think it was Dragon Riders. Was it Dragon Riders? Oh,
0: was that the one with the, the? it was kind of sci-fi where humans were breeding a, a lizard alien that they uh, was trying to conquer yes. them and they were like, what, we'll capture some of you guys, breed you into giants, essentially dragons, and then you, yes. we'll ride you around. Yeah, I have that one. It's, it, I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read That's, I think, the only Jack Vance I've had. I read, I read.
0: Okay, okay. Because that one, I don't think he does it as much, although he always, across all his work, does it to some degree. But boy, you know, in the, the Dying Earth series, I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Boy, does he have fun making up language, and he does <laughs> not hold your hand, but you can kind of be like, oh, okay, yeah, I think I know what this means. All right, cool. Uh, and- <laughs> right. it didn't yeah. like a clockwork orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, all right. So how long was your journey from first ideas through to publication of the Obinox, and what was that like?
1: It was pretty long, because um, the Obinox, all four of those stories I wrote, to submit into uh, into uh, magazines and stuff, I had an idea. I said, "Let me start this way." in, in terms of a plan, I'm going to write short stories and submit them, mm-hmm. so that my name becomes familiar with readers and editors, and so on and so forth. And then i'll I'll have a book out. Then I'll do a book, you know. And through the the journey of uh, being frustrated by you know submissions being rejected and not having reason why it was rejected, that kind of the great on me a lot, mm-hmm. and There was a point where uh, you I had other friends who were independently publishing and friends who were published through traditional media, Mm -hmm. through traditional ways. And during the pandemic, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to compile a book and do it independently. So I took the stories that I knew that I enjoyed and that were the best in terms of what my idea of sword and sorcery was, and I put them in the book. Mm -hmm. So I've I've been writing those and reworking them and rewriting them for, for a couple of years now want to say
0: which was the the first story that you started like you know having the ideas for like what was the absolute do you remember the absolute beginning like which which was story you first thought of
1: and or first started you know outlining well for the book yeah <laughs> funny enough it was none of these stories in the book ah. it was <laughs> it was one called carnivora okay i have a short story called carnivora and you know i'm gonna tell you what because you'll probably see it soon enough carnivora it is sparenfang fang hmm. i don't know who coined that phrase so think of the fantasy world I created and I thought of it in the pre-Bronze Age time. right? So it's not cavemen. So it's between the idea of cavemen and Bronze Age.
0: Yeah, like there's agriculture, but yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So people are still you know, creating clothes, agriculture, stone tools still. And a raiding party captures a runaway slave. And the runaway slave turns out to be a warrior witch who is consolidating power. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, Cosmic Horror in there and everything. And that was the first one I was going to put in. But I realized that there is no traditional hero character. This is more of a horror. Yeah. And a weird kind of pre-medieval horror that I don't know where else I would even be able to submit it to. So I kind of, like, just put it on the side. And then I looked at the Obnox. And the Obnox was the first one. was like, you know what? This is the one, actually, that that has the elements that I look for in, okay. in sword and sorcery. So it was carnivore first, and then I was like, you know what, that's not going to do. There'll have to be something else.
0: Oh, that's cool. We should talk about markets afterwards, because I think I know some people who might have some ideas, because uh, I want to read Carnivore. Okay. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds good, man. That's
1: interesting. Thank you.
0: Uh, have you watched that uh, anime series Primal
1: yet? I have. I have. And I yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, I You know, I, I like the elements they add to it, but I miss the human to human interaction
2: Mm, yeah
1: the only thing i like i really didn't really dig too much about primal is that that he doesn't really have other societies and people to kind of he's with this one dinosaur and their friendship is nice but i kind of like the yeah you can't not do almost everything without a giant dinosaur so (laughs) (laughs) you know the suspense is kind of the suspense has to be ramped up with the violence and the action Right. Yeah. It's like and, the, the and limits that the create the, the stories
0: maybe, you know, have their limitations, so to speak. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so you self-published mm-hmm. and everybody has kind of their own experience with this. Mm-hmm. How have you found the process so far? You're you kind know, of, I would say, it's fair to say you're still in promotion. I mean, here you are, Yeah, but, but yeah, like just the technical side, they're trying to get like, how do you do things? Cause I feel there's a lot of help and advice online and a lot of people mm-hmm. getting takes on like what self-publishing is like, mm-hmm. what has your experience been so far?
1: I've had a very good experience with um, – I, I chose uh, when I was trying to look for places to to actually do the print and the, and formatting and everything. I talked to friends who've also self-published, mm-hmm. um, Stephen Van Patten and, and Mark Abbott, who are friends of mine with another web pod, podcast we do, Beef, Wine, and Shenanigans. And we also have like a horror novel out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I talked to them about self-publishing because they've, they've done it and, and went to – chose Book Baby. And it's been very – I've had – a really easy going time of it, to be honest. I like, I'm not sweating it a lot. It's kind of like, Hey, I, I just read the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just want you to read the book. So I'm not, I don't really worry too much about a lot of the, the business aspect of it. You just kind of do it.
2: I've
0: never heard of book, baby, by the way, I, I only tripped over it when I was looking at your stuff online. What uh, can you tell our listeners what that is?
1: Yeah. It's a publishing service. I started with, um, <laughs> I started with, Using the money from the pandemic relief (laughs) and set up a business with with Zen Business. So got my LLC, got the business cards, got my logo, and looking for a place. I have the books set up. I have the stories that I want to use and looking for a publishing service because I can't print these books on my own. Mm. I don't have the facility or infrastructure for that. And I saw Book Baby on Facebook. They're advertising. So I did a little research on them and found out that oh, I get most of the profits than the book sales.
0: Is it a more appetizing cut than Amazon? Because I'm guessing you had a peek at that. It really does usually. Yeah, yeah.
1: So. Actually, you know, like as you said earlier, when you go online and you you know you do the comparisons online, and you have people who will tell you this is the pros and cons of dealing with Amazon Kindle. Mm-hmm. These are the pros and cons of dealing with BookBaby. These are the pros and cons with Smashwords and and Cart. Uh, not in Cart. Um, wow. Spark. I think hmm. Spark and Smashwords, I think are, are now the same thing. And I got a pamphlet from them, a little advertising pamphlet, and I liked what, the, what I saw. I'll just say, I'll be honest. I like what I saw and I like the ease of their interface when I went online. Okay. So you go online and you'll see that, you know, they'll have like a list of different services they'll have, how much the services will charge you. If you created your own cover, you can put your own cover in and they'll, format the text on front cover and the back cover they'll do all that and you know you you get the rates and it's that straightforward that's what i liked about it very straightforward i, I didn't have to search and navigate through their web to see what the hell how much is going to cost me yeah
2: yeah
1: cool it's right there
2: all right
0: well i'll i'll, uh, I'll link to them in the show notes uh, along with uh everything else that you know yeah. that you mentioned like that horror book, book you mentioned yeah. and stuff in the podcast yeah and how how have you found promoting your book because I think that's a very difficult thing for people to do when it's just themselves. It's definitely yeah. one of the parts where I start to roll my eyes real hard right. when people are like, oh, with self-publishing, you can do everything. And as I have definitely said on the show before,
1: yeah. just change the tone of voice there. You do everything.
0: <laughs> like, you know? Right, <laughs> right. You,
1: you know, you you realize, you know, you, you, you know, I, I realized this before I went into this game, uh, to public, independent publishing, is, you know, the thing that the established markets have is infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They have the promotional department. You have the for, uh, you have the book printer department, the uh, the designer department. Editorial. You have all these different department editorial department. You have all these different departments that you are going to be in charge of. That it's all on you, and you don't have a staff of people to work these things out as you're trying to do other things. You don't.
0: Yeah, like I almost want to turn around to some people who really uh, who haven't done it but are very enthusiastic about it, and just yeah. be like, you know, there's a reason Random House, uh, Penguin, whatever the hell it is now, is is not just one guy. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. There's a good it's, reason. There's a just reason one for guy. that. So, you know. So you know. And so it's good to just go when you go in. Just don't go in blind. Really. You know what I mean? Yeah. And promotional wise, I understood that I'm a new author. I have personally uh, a thing with asking for help and asking people for help and asking people to do this for with me or do this for me or hey, this I have a problem with that. I don't. I'm not comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's a personal thing. That's me growing up in trauma and hoşben. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I looked at the idea of promotion, I just said, all right, I'm not looking to make money for this. I'm just looking to have my name being recognized. Mm-hmm. Just know my name. If you like the stories or you don't like the stories, I'm fine with that. Just know my name. You know the book. Yeah.
0: Get out there.
1: And try not to psych myself out in the idea of promotion, right? Yeah. Because people, some people you know, do it, they'll get discouraged and be like, give up, and I'll have like a Box of books in their house because they just gave up. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
1: I went with the idea first of just remembering what I've always heard about businesses and new startups is that you will not make money in your first year, first couple of years. You're not. I'm fine with that. I'm gonna promote on my on my own. Probably spend money. I'm fine with that. Mm. As long as a my name is at least recognized with the idea of sword and sorcery, sword and soul, and heroic fantasy and, and those kind of writings, and if it helps with promoting the genre then that's what it's going to do you yep. know and the fatalistic part of me being i'm probably going to be dead before this even becomes a really big thing so let's be all right with that i'm all right with that well, <laughs> it's the you, next you, generation that has to do it
0: well fingers <laughs> crossed you know it doesn't come to that but i i get with you about accepting right. like yeah you know th- this this is not guaranteed to go uh to no. the stars but it's what's well, the old thing about it. it's the journey, not the not the destination, you know. And yeah, right. like, it sounds like you feel. I think it sounds to me like you feel like you're getting something out of it, right? You're getting something that you're going yeah. for that you wanted out of it. So
1: this kind of yeah, funny, right? this is yeah, this is this is the thing. This is you know, this genre, sword and sorcery genre fiction. I let go of it in my teen years, and rediscovering it, realizing that this is what has I want to feel. This is a part of me that has been missing mm. from my life, from me growing up. You know, I've done things that I've always questioned and wondered if this is the right thing to do or should I do this? And the- no, no, this was what it is that gave me uh, the fire to keep going wake up in the morning, adventure, the action, the wonder of discovering and creating new and dynamic cultures and societies and worlds. This was it. Yeah. You know, in this half side of my life this 51, I'm like, man, I'm just going to go in on it. I ain't going to be afraid of this. This is me. And this is what I love. And you roll with that. Cool. You can't. And you do you. But this is how I'm going to do. And I'll be honest, if I'm not making money on it, I'm okay as long as this is a part of the tradition. Yeah. You know what I mean, this is a part of the tradition. This has to be a part of the tradition that I love.
2: Well,
0: yeah, and forgive me if this sounds corny, but you know what you were talking about earlier. Uh, I was trying to avoid the word because I feel like, mm-hmm. especially well meaning, uh, melanin deficient individuals <laughs> tend to throw the word representation around a lot. Okay. Like it's the be all end all solution to all problems. It isn't, but it's super important nonetheless. Right. And what happened, right? You read Saunders and were like, wait, I could do this? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah maybe, I mean, like, it's- you know, you're contributing to that by creating this new work.
1: I hope so. I want to be a part of that and everything in, in the whole. You know what I mean? Daryl, with uh, his sword and silk, for lack of a better term, I, th- I think mm. that's a term. I loved The Four Winds. you mm. want to read more. There's a point where it's like, how many more knights and barbarians you know, you want to deal with? Sometimes you want something different. Yep. I want to say that is probably how it kind of started in the beginning. You want to try something different. Yeah. You want to do a little spin on this, yeah. right? You want to add something else to this. George R.R. Martin with Game of Thrones added something different to the epic fantasy genre. Mm -hmm. Joe Abercrombie added something different to, you know, you want to add something. And it's not just, and it's it's a representation. It's it's the human element, right? The different kind of aspects of the nuances of being a person, of being a human being, and dealing with extraordinary circumstances. And you want to add different cultures and voices to that. Yeah, absolutely. And that just makes it richer. That makes it all richer.
0: Well, exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, once in a while I'll see somebody online be like, you know, who looks like me and I'll be like, oh, you know, I looked at this, you know, fill in the blank book or whatever that's not centered on white people and be like, Yeah, it looks cool, but I guess it's not for me. It's like, no, 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 it's all, like, you get to read it. You get to watch it. You get, you know, what are you talking about? Right, 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 right. And also, do you think think all the white (laughs) people stuff, or the stuff that featured, featuring mostly white people, is not for, like, where are you going with this? What's the thought process? Right. And just, like, the world is bigger and more interesting and more exciting than you are letting it be for yourself. Yeah. Go read the thing, you know, go, go, yeah, pick it up.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, I I think that's, that's, that's like, a, a, I want to say a part of I don't know I don't know if it's capitalism tradition I'm not sure where it's coming from I no I I know earlier on in American history and part of racism that had a lot to do with restricting others from from joining in a particular thing yeah just a bit right? yeah but so like like yeah like country music is only for these people yeah you know uh, differentiating and closing things off and uh, you know what I'll say this in the 70s listen to the radio you can hear everything mm. right you'll be on a station and you'll hear funk. R&B with Led Zeppelin, you know, a Steely Dan. You know, when I was growing up, I was exposed to everything from one radio station. Yeah. And now it's all become so categorized that oh, this is this kind of music, this is this kind of music. As a radio station, we only play this, we only play this. And that's a thing that I I think really needs to be done away with. Yep. Cuz when we talk about art, everybody is allowed and everybody's invited to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And the same thing with our genre because i just think it's a we've had so many cis male authors doing it i think a part of it is because of the gatekeepers They're the the publishing houses that will publish other authors as opposed to somebody else because this is how they see the genre right this will make us money yeah. this is more of a this is more of a sell than this is this is what i already know and i'm comfortable with yeah right this is who the demographic is you know without realizing that no your demographic is actually larger than that yeah you know what i mean I was actually amazed real quick as as a side, mm-hmm. I was so amazed. Do you remember Spartacus on stars?
0: I didn't watch much of it, but I, I'm aware of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I did not realize there was a, a discussion chat on their website that was titled black women who love Spartacus. Ah, there you go. There you go. And if you watch Spartacus, you would have, you know, and, and you would have watched and had no idea yeah. that. Oh, you actually have like a group of people who you didn't think was part of the demographic. That is, you know what I mean, I had so many people at my job who had no idea that I was into um, Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, this, this is the
1: same. like you're you're not the demographic. Yeah, you have to demographic yeah. Game of Thrones, but I'm in uh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is, uh,
0: yeah, huge audience, too. What are you talking about? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And it's also this thing of like, you know, not only are, are these other audiences there, they've always been there. You know, before we got into recording here, I was talking to you about Iron Circus Comics from by Spike Trotman. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, cause comics are a thing, obviously she'll just drop a photo of like a little black girl reading like action comics in 1942 and be like, we've always been here. Yes, You know, yes. and it's just, you know, or are like, I'm, I'm dying to try and get in touch. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm losing the first name. Oh, no. Salmonson um, is the last name. Baldessor and sorcery and in the in publishing mostly in the 70s and early 80s. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I want to say Amanda. Anyway, Oliver, you're dumb, whatever, <laughs> but Hi there, this is future Oliver in the editing room, just letting you know that past Oliver was stumbling and bumbling, trying to remember Jessica Amanda Salmonson. Okay, back to in the interview, Oliver. Point being, oh my god, Salmonson you know, was a trans woman. Oh, okay, so it is. <laughs> uh, you know, right. involved in the sort of sorcery scene, mm-hmm. publishing, writing, and out and proud about it in in the middle of late seventies. You know, when it was a little yeah. a little trickier. Not that it's easy now. Um, right. and I and I just think it's this kind of thing of like it's you know they they've always been there. Mm-hmm. You know, by they I mean everybody who isn't frankly my demographic. Right. You know, and yeah, and so it's this kind of thing. Of, yeah, it, and it makes things so much richer. And and this thing of like. You know, well that you know, white guy being like, oh, I don't know, that doesn't look like it's for me. You know, it's like, well, let's take the biggest, easiest example from the last few years: Black Panther, right? The movie. Yeah. And like, I went in and sat down that movie, and uh, I just remember it once or twice in the movie, mm-hmm. looking up and seeing, you know, not Martin Freeman, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the, the scene did not have him in it, you know, right. and just being kind of like, and it just kind of hit me. I was just like, this is refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: like, like that's nice it's kind of breath of fresh air (laughs) you know it's it's not about me being a good person because i thought that or any nonsense uh you know that doesn't make you a good person watching a movie you're a
1: storyteller you're a storyteller
0: you enjoy stories you want to hear
1: you want to see different stories i mean i didn't realize that there was actually like a large korean historical dramas
0: yeah 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 those
1: are a big and when i saw my first was like age of heroes i was blown away it was like and I was telling everybody, and, and and found out that I had like there are cousins of mine, and and people that I know who are into it as well, and you know these are all black women, because <laughs> it, was, it was it was soap opera and martial arts, <laughs> and, you know, you know, and who doesn't love those? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you had, you know, you'd be surprised on, you know, you tell a good story, and and pe- the people will come.
0: Yeah. 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 So. Come. You know, what can I say? Yes. So, so, uh, we could talk forever uh, about this, I think, because I think we both have very strong feelings. (laughs) We can sort of, uh, uh, (laughs) agree real hard on this. And, and yeah, like something I've said on here more than once is just like, I'm dying to read stories by these audiences you don't hear about as much. Yeah. More so. Again, not to say that like it's a bit, you know, I'm inventing this idea, not to say that Mm -hmm. nobody has done it before. Like I say, you know, by the way, I mean the not me's have been around you know all the whole time but i want i want to see yeah. more you know i want to see more and right. uh, and and just yeah it's exciting because it's just like it's 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 expanding the thing it's not mm-hmm. subdividing it it's not taking away precious you know white male real estate you know right. it makes the yeah. thing bigger bolder and more bigger. beautiful and it's a genre that is just you know it has this this sense of um howard Andrew jones uses this uh, uh as part of his describing the genre you know it can um Oh, I'm going to bugger the phrasing, but, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me today. But yeah, it's it's just like reestablishing the wonder, re-wondering, re, re-, re- wondering, rewilding, yes, bringing, yeah. bringing wonder. And that wonder yes. can mean, you know, even if it's like a dark and terrible place your character's going through, it's like a big and mysterious dark and terrible place, you know, as, yeah. it, 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 but also positive stuff as well. And that can be landscapes, which I think is, you know, and environments, mm-hmm. uh, peoples and cultures, and mm-hmm. also it can be creators, <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> you know, yes,
1: and so,
0: yes. yeah, it's like just, it makes everything better. You know.
1: Anyway, whatever. Yeah. I, I can in the white. No, no. In, in the mortal <laughs> words of in the mortal words of Fela, wonderfulment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! We should talk about
0: Fela a little bit after Wonder. this. But uh, oh, but yeah, as um, uh, Fela Cudi, uh, uh By the way, everybody, musicians, musician, you should yeah. check him out. But yeah, hmm. it's uh it's stiff competition. All right, let's get the last question here. Stiff competition, okay. but I think. Mm-hmm. cock and bull that's a third story listener is uh my favorite story in the collection oh do you awesome. have any more plans for those characters or anybody from the other three stories you know, oh my god um
1: yes we do yes yes i do yes i do um i, I was actually starting a, a novel uh featuring them doing some weird wild and wacky things in the uh continent of gabar I, i'll just say this so i <laughs> I have been influenced by Shaft, the Black Exploitation movie from the seventies, as part of the story. Interesting. So, woman uh princess gets kidnapped, and it is up to these ne'er duels to rescue her <laughs> for the dad. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> awesome, that awesome. was so, something I, mean, I was playing with, yes.
0: In the author bio, mm-hmm. you mentioned you're working on a new sword and soul novel. Is that it?
1: Yes, that was it. Actually there was there's two of them. Because I, I love exploitation movies, and I love Shakespeare, and I, I feel as artists we are allowed to use elements and rework them, and remix them, and remaster them in in other ways that we can, you know, be able to play with. It's part of the wonderfulness of, of of the genre. Yeah. So you know, Macbeth as a sword and sword sorcery tale. Oh yeah. That's something I'm playing with. Um, oh, shaft, the idea of shaft as a sort of sorcery tale. You know what I mean? These are you yeah. I mean I mean, we're working in a in a genre where we get to use near duels and people forgotten mm-hmm. as heroes. So why not? We can do, you know, westerns, black exploitation stories, gangster stories, the whole shebang. Just play with it. So those are something well, I'm playing with, yes.
0: And that goes right back to Howard, right? Who, you know, yeah. I've said this before as well. Sorry, sorry, yes. but you know, he drapes the genre of sword and sorcery over other pulp genres from his day. You know, you've got Lockford from mm-hmm. mystery. You've definitely got pirate stories and so on right. and so forth. Definitely Western Frontier stuff. You know, the Black River okay. story. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So stories. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, I feel like we could talk all day and I, I would love to chat with you a little while after we uh, press stop because I want to talk to you about what I think is the most uh, Shakespearean exploitation of film. Uh, actually, listen, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll drop the title. Just see if you agree with me, uh, uh, okay, okay, Across 110th okay.
1: Street. Nice. Yes, that, yeah, you know what? Yes, that, yeah, you know what? That was, yes, better produced and absolutely one of the better Shakespearean tales in terms of your two protagonists. No, your three protagonists, I want to say, because Anthony Quinn, Yafik Koto's character, and I can't remember the, the actor who played the thief, the robber, and his Yeah, people, he was great. Yeah. oh again. my God. And, and, yeah, or and, even, and the, the,
0: or even the aging mobster, you know, he kind of felt like yes. a little to me in the sense that like, he's got the role because of family, but it's, you know, he's not yeah. the most successful member of the family. Right. And I 100% agree. Uh,
1: yes. Yeah. Ah, cheers. Yet, All right. well, okay, so
0: we did fit that in the recording. There we go. Listener. Uh, <laughs> <that was> there. <laughs> so, uh, so I think we, I think we got into the project side of things. Do you have any, uh, like, the, maybe you can mention the podcast again, like, do you have any other projects you'd like people to know about? And if people want to find you online, where's the best place to find you?
1: Okay um let me start with projects now. Um uh, I'm working with uh with two other authors, uh, Mark L Abbott and um Stephen Van Patten. And uh, Stephen Van Patten is already well known within the horror circles. He's part of the uh Horror Writers Association. Um uh, with a uh, Brookwater's Curse, um vampire novel. Excuse me, beginning in the uh um during the antebellum slavery era. Mm. And I, I've always told him he knows this, and I, I told him I loved it because it, it reads kind of like um, uh, Blade meets Black meets, uh, meets meets Anne Rice, uh. <laughs> but but it has a lot of action adventure involved in it, and it's great. Um, and his Killer Genius uh, series, and we worked on a on a on a on a project together on a, a book called uh, Hell in Brooklyn, Hell in Brooklyn Tea, which has. Which is, which, as Mark um like like to put it, it's like those old Hammer anthologies, where you have one story, and within the story you have these other separate tales being told by the characters.
2: Yeah,
1: and then we have it like that. Um, that's 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 Hell at Brooklyn Tea, which I'm a part of, and Hell at the Way Station. and the Waystation, which is the beginning, which was a a bar in Brooklyn, that that catered to it themed um sci-fi fantasy genre there was like a TARDIS as the bathroom it was awesome <laughs> it was awesome so that's something we were, I'm working on that's the, the podcast I'm on and um to find me you can find me on Facebook at uh Too far field um to lands far field where sword and sorcery and cosmic horror tread I want to say that right <laughs> cosmic horror sword and soul but you can find mm-hmm. me on Facebook Kirk A. Johnson um Instagram uh, Farfield Press. Um, that's my. That's me. That's I love that logo. The Farfield Press, mm. um, and Kirk a, Kirk a. Johnson also. And on Twitter, uh, Kirk A. Johnson at Farfield Press. So right. Farfield Press is awesome. the is the label. Yeah,
0: I will put all those links in the show notes, listeners. So you know, if you're like, oh, I, I can get a pen. Yeah, you know, it's cool. Just click. Right. Just go down in the show notes. You can click on anything. Get anything. All right, Kirk. I had a real great time. I'm very happy I had you on the show. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. We'll to talk I, some more.
1: I love it. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> happy. You, you, Man, I'm so honored, man, you put me on. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for some time, and it was like you have just the nicest voice. <laughs> it's Cheers. such a nice voice well there's it's, it's software a great that helps with that <laughs> you, know, you yeah, know oh man yeah. it's so awesome thank you very much thank you very much for having me I really appreciate it and thank you listeners yeah, yeah. go buy the book the I fans. put the link and that's the first link Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, remember it's all about the fans <laughs>
0: So I'm Writing a Novel features original intro and outro music by Gloria Guns and is hosted by yours truly, Oliver Brackenbury. If you'd like to submit a question, then please email it to soimwritinganovel at gmail.com. You can also holler at the show on Twitter. Look for at sowriting, that's at so underscore writing. Please consider sharing the show with anybody who might like it, or checking out any of the other ways you can support the show by heading to soimwritinganovel.com slash support the show, which has things like links to our Patreon, coffee, and PayPal. Thanks for hanging out with me and Kirk and I'll see you soon.